All right, what's up, everybody? Episode 10 of Kicking It with Breezy and Don C. You got Danny Belsito in the room with me, Donnie Sherell here. Our second episode this week, and I want to kick things off. I know we talked about the NBA for the entire episode, for episode 9, but we didn't talk about these comments. Danny and I are going to hit this absolutely blazing fast because we have so much to talk about. Did you see Giannis's comments about teaming up with his brothers one day about how he, you know, loved to see uh, his... You know, I think mom, I might have seen it, yeah. His but. mom, you know, he, of course his mom lives in Milwaukee with him and his girlfriend. And they asked him, I'm not sure exactly who asked them. I'm not going to read the quote specifically. I'm just going to paraphrase. Pretty much saying, would you want to team up with all your brothers? His brother, Thanasis, is with him right now in Milwaukee. And Costa is in L.A. with the Lakers. And he said, yeah, that'd be cool. I'm sure my mom would love that. Teaming up in Milwaukee, L.A., wherever. Is there any justification to that? Is Giannis just pulling our, pulling our leg? I mean, I think Giannis knows at the end of the day, you know, when we talk about even something as simple as, like, LeBron playing with Bronny one day, like, you kind of just have to say, you know, where is that most likely to happen? And I think what Giannis may have been talking about is, you know, when I get a little bit older and the championships have been won and we want to go make our money, maybe we go team up with Costas down in L.A. if he's still there. But I don't take much in Giannis talking about L.A. I mean, you've said multiple times you think, He's the closest thing to Kobe that we've seen, staying loyal, wanting to win as many championships and bringing him to Milwaukee. I have also said on multiple occasions, I think eventually he may go somewhere else, bigger market, and try and you know do that towards the end of his career or maybe after he brings a championship or two to Milwaukee. But I don't take much from that. Uh, I mean, he does have an endless amount of brothers. It's crazy right. how I hear this guy... Talk about, you know, he has one in Milwaukee, one in L.A. They just went to his other brother's senior night. And he said in an article in Bleacher Report, literally, He's like nasty. last year, that he might be the best out of the four. That's crazy to Which think to about. Which, to me, there's no way. That, but, I mean, but it's man, his brother. you got to so have gotta, to take his yeah. word for him that he's going to be a good player. Oh, I, I, mean, don't, I don't doubt it. This yeah. isn't the Ball family. You know, we're not talking oh, about LiAngelo Ball or something like this. Well, we're Big Ball about, brand just restarted their brand, so are you going to get some merch? Uh, no, I don't have two thousand dollars <laughs> for a pair of shoes, so probably not. Okay, but perfect. yeah, man, I, I would be, I would be, you know, that's one of those things where you know when you just go forward in the NBA a couple of years, you can, there's always things to look forward to. Yeah, you know, we're talking about man, is Braun gonna play with Bronny? I'm be cool. That. Is John's gonna have? Sorry, I keep saying this. And you know what? I want to address this now. I finally got corrected. I truly thought I wasn't saying his name that right. Now, Danny, I was gonna mention this to you before we started. <laughs> I could never. It's been you know ten episodes. I could never bring myself to look at you in the eyes as a grown man and say. Danny, it's not Giannis, it's Giannis. So, sorry on Danny's behalf, he's been saying it wrong. Danny, I know you're going to own up to it, it is Giannis. Uh, it's funny, you know, Nick, our great marketing guy here. Nick Robinson. Wingate, Nick Robinson, shout him out. Finally called me out of the baseball game because you know you're saying his darn name wrong 15 times an episode. And you know what? I said, Nick, I think at first I realized that I was saying his name wrong. And then I thought... Maybe I can just continue to say and just rub Donnie the wrong way a little bit, irritate him a little bit more. So maybe he'll just throw out a couple more aggressive hot takes back at me. And you know what? I think it's worked on a couple of occasions. But I apologize. (laughs) The name is Giannis. I will try and convince Ah. myself to say that over and over. But I'm so, so consistently seeing Italian names in my culture. And that's Gia, Gia, Gia. So it's... It's instinct to say Giannis. I'm sorry, Giannis. If you eventually hear this and whenever we start to get a little bit bigger, I apologize. Giannis, it would be nice to see Giannis play with his brothers. Whether it be in Milwaukee or L.A. or Golden State in a couple of years. We don't know, but it may happen. Okay, we're going to move past that because he's not going to Golden State. Okay, (laughs) all right, let's let's switch landscapes here. The NFL actually has recently proposed a rule, according to the CBA, about changing the schedule, trying to bump it up one more game to 17 games 
also increasing the playoff field to 14 teams total, seven teams from each conference. And I was actually just watching uh, High Noon on ESPN with Pablo Torres and Bamani Jones, and they said that if this rule would have been in effect last season, we would have seen the Steelers make it from the AFC and the Los Angeles Rams make it from the NFC. Danny, do you like this proposal? Personally, I love the proposal of the extra playoff team because when you mentioned that, you know, I didn't know that exactly. I pay attention to the standings in the NFL, but at the end of the day, the last couple weeks of the season, you have an idea of who's going to get in, who's on the bubble, you know, et cetera, et cetera. So when you say Rams would have gotten in who were just starting to get hot a little bit towards the end of that year, they're starting to find an offense a little bit. We all know they have a defense who normally has some you know, real strong legs to stand on. And then the Steelers who are starting to find it. Yeah, they had some quarterback trouble all last year. Obviously, they had trouble when they lost Antonio Brown to whatever mental thing he's going through. But, you know, those are two tough teams. And when you talk about every year in the NFL, you always have a division where they have a guy, make a team making out of division. It tends to be the NFC East and the, and the NFC. And, you know, in the AFC, it could be the AFC South. It could be whatever. But, you know, when you see teams like, you know, the Tennessee Titans and Houston Texans get in, you know, you see these teams where their record might not be incredible, but you just see throughout the year, they figure their game out. They start to find, you know, kind of their niche in the league. And then you see what happens in the playoffs with a team like the Titans. Nobody at the beginning of the playoffs expected them to make a burst like they did. And right. they were really close to making and potentially winning the Super Bowl. I mean, at the end of the day, they, when you have the rushing leader. So for me, when you add an extra team, it just adds another element of, of surprise and, you know, adding to that potential Cinderella story. I necessarily, when we're talking about the extra game, it doesn't do much for me, i got to be honest, because let, let's be real here. Let's be frank. Weeks 15, 16, 17 for 28 out of 32 teams typically mean nothing. Yeah. By then, we've kind of already decided who's going to be a top two seed. They're still fighting for a top two seed. And then you're seeing teams tanking games the last three, four weeks. I don't need to see one more week of teams resting their starters, one more week. Whatever. I'm sure it could cause a little bit more friction in the NFL, especially adding another playoff team. Those two things, I think, could work together. But for me, yeah, adding the, the extra playoff team, I love that idea. The, I've mm-hmm. always said in any sport, the more teams in the postseason, the better. Because that's when teams play their best. And at the end of the day, that's more money in a lot of people's pockets in the NFL. True. So I, I like that idea. However, the extra game in the regular season, that's unnecessary money in people's pockets. You're not going to be able stupid. to sell tickets to week yeah. 18 games or whatever it is. So at the end of the day, I, I think they could leave that one behind. But the, play, the playoff team, I really like the sound of that. I think it really stems on... I know I actually heard an idea from Nick Robinson. I know we've shouted him out twice. That's not on purpose, Nick. I'm not giving you all the gas in the world. But, you know, anyways, um, Nick also brought up a point when I was thinking about it, maybe making it an 18-game season with two buys. Mm-hmm. And that make, or 18-week season, I should say, yes. with two buys. I think that makes sense just to, you know, because the NFL is always promoting rest and trying to make sure their players aren't overused. I've heard and, that idea. I love it. Right, and having guys retire like, you know, Calvin Johnson at age 30, Luke Keekley at sub-30. Um, but anyways, I think that, you know, I'm going to have to disagree with you. I think that for the playoffs, I don't see a reason to change it. I think it's perfect. I think it really, you know, also gives teams more of an incentive to try and finish as high as they can, not worry about tanking, because if you add in another playoff team, it's like, okay, there's room for some slack. And I think that's how it is for a lot of sports. I think the NBA has it set at eight teams. That's perfect. Or, you know, the best 16. They've talked about that before as well. But for the NFL, there's no reason in my mind to change it, only because there's such a drop-off, I think, when you talk about playoff teams and then teams that don't make the playoffs. Because let's be frank, if we saw a team like the Rams make it last year and then play a team like you know, the Saints or a team that was really up you know, high tier like the Packers or the Seahawks, it wouldn't have been a game. Sure, yeah. it would have been an extra game, but it would have also been an extra game 
where, you know, it would have been just been delaying, you know, getting further and further. So in this idea, I'm going to say no, but I don't think it would be awful per yeah. se. I, it's funny because I personally, you know, my, my opinion, you know, being a tennis player growing up, me and my dad have the same opinion when it comes to any sport, especially in postseason play. Mm-hmm. One of the things that ends up biting teams in the butt more than even resting players at the end of a season, which we've seen continuously make NFL teams a little weaker when the playoffs start, but the buys. Yes. I think like you want to get playing. You, you the, the more weeks off you take, maybe the more rusty you can get. It's with anything. Everything's a perishable skill. Exactly. Yeah. So for me, I think if you're going to add one, for me, my recommendation would be add two and yeah. just make it eight, kind of like the NBA. Make everybody have an even amount of playing. If you're going to extend it, because I do agree with you, if you're going to leave it at six, it does give more of an incentive to get in, which leads into what I truly think they should do. Similar to the NBA is mm-hmm. the record. For me, yeah. it's just top six records get in. You got to earn it. I understand, you know, in the conferences and in the divisions, there's going to be a difference in schedule and how and how tough it is. But that's just how the NFL is. If you do badly the year before, you're going to have a little bit easier schedule than the, the top teams. And I think that's what adds that competitive nature in the NFL, and which makes you see consistently primetime quality games at 4 o'clock, 8 o'clock, and Monday night every single week. And for me, that is what they could do with making the playoffs top six with the record, or even top eight with the record. Because for me, you want to see the best teams get in, in my opinion. Well, I.e. like the NFC East. I mean, the Eagles and the Cowboys, I'll be fair, did not deserve to be in the playoffs last year based on those records. But they did because I think it is it could be flawed in a way, like you said. Exactly. And I just think at the end of the day, I completely agree with you when you say you want to give the most incentive and you want to have something that's you know even across the board. And for me, if you have the best teams in, the best record for the complete year, you deserve to get in. And for me... Time and time again in the NFL, on both sides, majority in the NFC, but in the AFC as well, you'll have a team 7-8 wins get over a team with 10 wins. Yeah. And for me, I, I just can't justify that. And I get the, the conferences and the divisions, I, I get it, you know, the integrity of the NFL, but I can't justify in any sport frame, 7 wins is better than 10. Yeah, it just really doesn't make it. sense, you know what I mean? Right. And for me, you know, if they make that change and leave it at six, I completely agree with you. But if they're going to do it like this, for me, the only reason I, I disagree and I think adding the seven helps is because I hate the buys. So for me, if you're going to see the two play a seven, three, six, four, it just gives you more quality to really see who's, right. you know, agree. see the cream of the crop rise right. to the occasion in the playoffs. Because like, you know, when we, neither of us predicted the Titans beating the Patriots. So no. why not give one more team? Why not give the Steelers that opportunity to go play who it would have been? Kansas City at the time. Yeah, of course, Kansas City won the Super Bowl. Well, then they beat the Ravens, of course. Let's be then, honest, yeah. that probably wouldn't have happened. But <laughs> they probably wouldn't have won. But right. why, I want to see it. I want, yeah. you know, I want to see the highest quality teams get in. But So at the end of the day, I think if, if they do go through with this, I, it will be more excitement for the NFL. At the end of the day, they want to keep eyeballs on the game. And they want to make more money. We, we know that's what it is. It's of all course. about money, especially with the owners. And I'm hoping that this turns to more money for the players as well because at the end of the day, that's what the players' biggest fear is. We're playing more weeks. We're risking our body more for the owners to pocket a bigger paycheck when they're already you know, multi-millionaires and billionaires no matter what. So you know, for me, I, I, I like the idea. Of an extra playoff team, I love your you know your idea, Nick's idea. Shout him out one more time. You know with the double buys, I think that just gives a much higher quality to the entirety of the NFL season, and maybe less of these wasted games in yes. week 15, 16, 17, and not potentially eighteen. So, so yeah. Now moving on, we're going to keep with the NFL just to stay consistent. But free agency in the NFL, of course, is not nearly as prevalent when it comes to the hype like it is in the NBA, which we've seen the last few years, you know, really start to surface. And then at MLB with all the money thrown around, NFL is a little bit different. But I did want to hit on real quick, Danny and I are going to talk about this uh, for a quick segment. 
three main quarterbacks that have been discussed. I know Cam Newton's not really a free agent, but he is discussed as a free agent just because of the moving pieces. Ron Rivera out, him sitting out last season. We're also going to bring up, okay, these are the three quarterbacks we're going to talk about. Phillip Rivers, Tom Brady, Cam Newton. Danny and I are going to talk about where we think they will end up or, and or really, where we would like to see them end up. I'm going to start with Phillip Rivers, and I think it's, you know, it's obvious he's not going to be with the Chargers next season. They've already, you know, moved on. They're trying to, I guess, go younger, if you will, with guys like Keenan Allen, Melvin Gordon, um, Hunter Henry as well, the tight end. For me, for Phillip Rivers, it's really tough, but I'm going to say I would like to see him. This is not necessarily where I think he'll go because my answer where I think he'll go to me is a question mark. I don't know where he's going to go, so I'm going to leave that side up to you. I would love to see him in Miami because I think Miami is going to be tempted this year to try and take Tua. We don't know what Tua is going to do when it comes to his health, you know, with that hip injury and his other injuries that have ailed him in the past. Seeing Phillip Rivers in Miami with, you know, some younger weapons, maybe they could trade that pick, try and get some leverage, maybe pick up a wide receiver like a CeeDee Lamb, a Jerry Judy. Absolutely. Pair it with a guy like Phillip Rivers who, you know, when you talk about his stats, you know, they're there, but just the teams he's been on have never been complete, never had a chance at the Super Bowl. So He's always would, had one big weapon or something. You know, maybe exactly. one big weapon, one receiver and a tight end, right. now running game or, or one in the other. Exactly. Yeah, so like I'd that. like to see Phillip Rivers in Miami. What about you? Uh, I personally, <clears throat> and for me, the team, you know, when it comes to Phillip Rivers, the team I want to see him on and the team that I think he will go to are the same. And I think that's Indianapolis. Mm. Uh, I think when you talk about where Indy had their prior success with Andrew Luck and with a Peyton Manning, you know, when you talk about Peyton Manning, you're not talking about deep ball. You talk right. about accuracy. You're talking about running an offense. You're talking about being smart, making the right play. When you talk about Andrew Luck, he was very injury prone. Accuracy wasn't always there. Took a lot of risks. And right now with Indianapolis having a really budding defense, you know, one of the best defenders in the league in Darius Leonard, like when you talk about Jacoby Brissett, like this guy's accuracy was Abysmal. the bottom of the NFL. <laughs> I yeah, mean, it was. It, in every category, you know, throwing it the ball was. past eight yards down the field. And they do have a couple of weapons there, and they can rebuild, and Cap is there for them. And also, Phillip Rivers getting back with Frank Reich, who used to be the quarterback's coach in San Diego. That's a good relationship building, and, and I think I'd like to see that because the Colts team that we saw when Andrew Luck was in those few prime years that he had, you know, Unfortunately, he had a lot of injury problems. But those prime years, they were a real contender. Yes. And they had a complete team. They had good coaching, good special teams. You know, they always find a way. They always have a system of success there. They just never had that finishing moment. Andrew Luck just made too many mistakes. He just wasn't there, you know, fully. Um, and I think Phillip Rivers could be that guy. I think accuracy for their team and keeping the ball was one of their biggest problems this year. Brissett had more three and outs, you know, just from watching eye tests. I don't know the exact stats. Yeah. Than so many quarterbacks. And for me, Phillip Rivers sitting in the pocket, being a little more accurate, and, you know, being reunited with Frank Reich, I think that's a good fit. And I think Indy is, you know, they're, you know, rebuilding here, and I think he'd be a good piece. All right, so Phillip Rivers to Indianapolis was Danny's pick for that one. Next, we're going to move to the grandfather himself, Tom Brady <laughs> from New England, as Danny dubbed him earlier. For me, with Tom Brady... It's interesting. We've seen a lot of stuff in the media about him. Oh, maybe he can go to the Raiders. New landscape in Vegas. Moving over there. Danny's cringing as I say that. And I also agree. I don't <laughs> think it's a good fit. I don't think it makes any sense, to be honest with you. Derek Carr, I think it's a solid QB. But, I mean, people have deferred in that. I also think at the end of the day, with them moving to Vegas, that's an exciting culture, an exciting new change, an exciting new team. So to bring in Brady. Yeah. Maybe the least exciting quarterback right now. <laughs> yeah. doesn't really work. So with Brady, I really think about it, and I'm going to be boring on this one because it's going to happen. Everybody knows. And if I'm wrong, I'll be shocked. 
Brady's going to stay in New England. I don't even know why we brought this up because Tom Brady is the Patriots when you think about him. My dad always tells me, and I know my dad listens to every single minute of this episode, so he will definitely hear me say this. Whenever we watch the Patriots, one, he's not a big fan just because he doesn't like Bill Belichick, but he always says, man, the Patriots used to be so bad. They were always bottom of the barrel. He's like, as soon as they get Brady, now they're, you know, this and that. And my dad, of course, is a big football fan, but when it comes to knowledge of the game, when, you know, guys talk about it, my dad, you know, pales in comparison to a lot of guys just because there are guys out there that are smarter and they understand that. But to hear that simple statement, the Patriots were so bad and now they're so good because of one guy. Well, I mean, yeah, the coach too, Belichick, yeah. but Tom Brady. Tom Brady's not going anywhere. And he even said that in his little Hulu commercial, the tease at the Super Bowl, <laughs> yeah. whatever. But I think he's going to stay in New England. Is there a better spot for him for next year? Uh, when I think about <clears throat> Tom Brady, I think what he's doing right now is classic. It's, it's a classic top-level player getting to the end of their career. It's This is a ploy. We all know this. He's just trying to get the organization to put some more pieces around him. We saw with that Patriots team this year, they just simply had no weapons. They just did not have enough weapons to keep up with anybody, even the Tennessee Titans, you know, who had really one big weapon in Derrick Henry, and, they, and he just outplayed them as a team. So for me, I think... You're right. I think he is going to stay in New England. I just think how this offseason goes and how much money the Patriots put into giving Tom Brady weapons will just show how hard he's going to play. I would not be surprised if they mark it right back because they're a tough you know, organization and front office when it comes to we're not – it's not one player. It's always been the team. It's always been you know, the, the program and the system. So they might not put that many pieces around Tom, and then you're just going to see Tom come back, I think, to a – slightly smaller contract and just be kind of spiteful and not play to his full potential and really just say all right this is my and give himself a little farewell tour and call it and call it a a career so for me I think you're absolutely right I think he is going to stay in New England I hope that they invest a little bit more in some weapons give him maybe a big name player I've seen grumblings of you know at least Hunter Henry from the Chargers going over to New England and helping him out I think that would be help I think they need much more help than that but that's certainly a start because Tom Brady does love a good big tight end. So that would be a good start for him to motivate him to come back. Because as of right now, what is a what, 43-year-old Tom Brady I believe really so, yeah. have to play for right now? <laughs> Has the most Super Bowls. He's known almost unanimously as the best quarterback of all time. You know, why are we really discussing this? He should stay there. You know, he's been there his whole time. You know, he's Kobe to the Lakers up in, in New England. So I hope he ends his career in New England personally. Um and I think that's what he's going to do. It's just a matter of, are they going to put the weapons around him? If they don't, it's not going to be the Patriots. And I'm telling you, they'll struggle to win the AFC East next year if, if they don't put enough weapons around him. Because I'm telling you, Buffalo's tough. We've all said this. And like you said, Miami's up and coming as well. So exactly. if, the, if the Patriots want to just waste their time and... Uh, not to mention know, Buffalo either. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, they just go back and forth with, uh, with Tom about, you know, are we going to put guys around you? You want a new contract? Blah, blah, blah. You know... This might go on all offseason, and then we're just stuck with the same Patriots team. And then you're going to see a lot of disappointed Patriots fans, that's for sure. Which I'm not mad at. Right. So Tom Brady. Exactly. Please. (laughs) Please be humble, Patriots fans. But anyways, Tom Brady's going to stay in New England. That's our pick for that one. Our last quarterback, this can be really fun. Because I think this is a guy who was definitely, you know, thrown under the bus this year for no reason at all. I understand Carolina still hasn't. You know, won that Super Bowl. I understand Cam Newton's been kind of up and down injury-wise, but he didn't play all of this year. And I feel like every time I heard something about the Panthers, it was about him. He was not playing. <laughs> Why are you making him a scapegoat for yeah. their, you know, lack of success? 
Christian McCaffrey was a video game player this season, rightfully so. To me, honestly, if it wasn't for Lamar Jackson, he should have been the MVP. I mean, McCaffrey was phenomenal. When you talk about rushing and receiving, having 1,000 yards in both categories, come on. That's that's unfair. It's true. I do think, though, that the Panthers are going in a different direction for whatever means, you know, whatever they believe is right. You know, Tepper's got his, you know, puppets by the strings. He's got a new coach in there, Matt Rule. He's got Joe Brady. Who knows who they can bring in. But for Cam Newton, this to me, I was really tempted to say the Raiders just because it could have been, you know, the flashy lights, yep. guy like Josh Jacobs in the backfield, having John Gruden there, guy who's done it before, you know, and he's locked in. And that's going to be one thing, too. You know, he may go to a situation, he could have come to a situation where it would have been a new coach, new regime, same city, it would have been a little difficult. I think, though, if there were one place for Cam Newton really to thrive and really succeed and maximize his window, that to me is the biggest thing when it comes to quarterbacks, you know, guys in the NFL, NBA, MLB, it's that window. And I think Cam Newton, it may be towards the latter part of that window. But if he could, dude, go to the Windy City. Go play for the Chicago Bears. Are you kidding? If they somehow make a trade for Cam Newton, we're already talking about Khalil Mack, arguably the best defensive player in the NFL. You talk about a linebacking core with Roquan Smith, Leonard Floyd, two Georgia boys. I understand you know, I have some bias. But their corners as well, I, You know the names are escaping me because we're doing this off the cuff. But playing with weapons as well, like Allen Robinson, of course, David Montgomery, that new running back they have, and Tariq Cohen. I mean... A lot of other guys as well, Javon Wims, Anthony Miller. There's a lot of guys on that Bears team, I think, that could really thrive if Cam Newton was brought in. A, you know, just a light. Cam Newton's an awesome guy. I think we forget about that a lot. And that's a factor that doesn't show up in the stats, as we know. But if Cam Newton went to Chicago with that defense, you saw what he did with the dominant defense in Carolina. And in a division where I think that he could you know, come in and he's going to play with guys like Aaron Rodgers, Kirk Cousins twice a year, Matt Stafford as well. That's going to be a loaded division when you talk about quarterbacks. If I'm the Bears, I'm doing everything I can to try and get Cam Newton, see what he can do, because Mitchell Trubisky is not going to get you to a Super Bowl. Sorry, Chicago fans. I don't think he will. I've got my own quarterback dilemma. People have talked about Dak Prescott, but we're not going to talk about Dak today. It's just going to be about Cam Newton. I think Cam Newton with the Bears, perfect fit. It's funny, you know, when when we talk about Cam Newton. I have such a bias for Cam. I love Cam. As a Panthers fan, he's given us so many good memories. And I know there are some Panthers fans who forget about the good memories and they focus on the bad memories and the negatives. But, you know, with me, I think about MVP. I think about Super Bowl appearance. These are the things I think about. So I don't want to see Cam leave. But if he did, you know, when I, I tried to put myself in Cam's shoes just to see. And I'm so spiteful and I'm so competitive. When I hear some of the comments that Tepper makes about Cam and he needs to be healthy and we're not going to, you know, invest in him long term and let's see and all this stuff coming in, you know, big guns, blah, blah. I thought, you know what? Before I heard Drew Brees was coming back, I thought, you know what? Let me just go talk with the Saints, stay in the division and go beat these guys up and then make them feel my wrath, right? I thought this. And then you hear Drew Brees is coming back. Okay, the Saints are going to stick with Drew Brees. Can you imagine So I started thinking, and I thought the exact same thing as you at first with the Raiders. I thought, man, he would fit in perfect. Bright lights, a lot of Showtime games. Cam plays his best in Showtime games. You know, he's been rehabilitating the shoulder and, and the knees and all these things that are starting to wear down on a running quarterback. And he's got to learn to play in the pocket more. And I think if he were to go play you know, under John Gruden, I think that, that could help a lot. Especially in, an, in, you know, in a new new culture and a new environment, I think it would be big. But the team that I came to for Cam, 
is the exact same team that you came to for camp. Ah, I completely that? agree. I think Chicago fits perfect, and I'll tell you why. You talked about all the weapons that they have, and when you talk about the corners, you're talking about Kyle Fuller, Prince of Mukamura, these guys, and they have Eddie Jackson, HaHa Clint Dix. They have a crazy secondary, and one of the best line, linebacking cores in the league. You know what that reminds me of? The team that he had and took Carolina to the Super Bowl. We are good, Dan. Some of the best linebackers and a pretty solid good one-on-one secondary. The only thing that Chicago, for me right now, is missing is a big, big play option on the offense right now. When you're yeah. talking about Allen Robinson and Taylor Gabriel and these types of guys, I don't think they're quite big enough weapons. And I think the one thing that Cam does love, and we've seen over the past couple years, is a big, consistent tight end. And as of right now, I think the number one tight end on their roster is Ben Broniker. Don't know who this who guy is. God bless you, Ben Broniker. I'm sure you're, you're a star, <laughs> but I have no idea who you are. So I think if you can somehow put a big name, I thought the Bears, truthfully, were going to go after Greg Olson when it came out that, that he was not been. sticking with the Panthers. I thought if the Bears pick up Greg Olson, it's all but signed, sealed, delivered that Cam's going to go there. Stick with his boy Greg. That's his best friend. And now that's another weapon for the Seahawks out there. Man, Russell Wilson's loving that right now. But I, I think you're exactly right, and you hit it right on the nose. I think Chicago's a perfect fit. That defense is so loaded with talent. They're waiting for a quarterback who can make, you know, a throw to both sides of the field, unlike their current quarterback, Mitch Trubisky. So I think Cam going there would be perfect fit. I think, you know, the weather that they have up there would not, you know, need him to throw deep balls all the time. You know, he could play within himself, unlike, you know, Carolina where it's hot, they expect big plays. And think about it. When he's playing in the NFC South, he's got to keep up with the Saints offense. He's got to keep up with the Falcons offense. He's got to keep up with one of the best dual receiving cores in the and the Bucks. These teams score points. Exactly. When we're talking about the NFC North, a lot less points are being scored up there. For me, Minnesota doesn't tend to put 40 points on the board. They're putting up 20, and they have a solid defense. Green Bay's playing in the snow for the last five games. They're putting up 17, 20 points. And, you know, those quarterbacks, when we talk about Aaron Rodgers and Kirk Cousins, they're not the same quarterbacks on the road. That's always been one of the talks about Cam is the same. Does he play as well on the road as he does at home? Blah, blah, blah. He fits right into that division. So for me, I think you hit that right on the money. I think Cam should go to Chicago with the way that the owner's talking about him. And that kind of leads me into one quarterback that we haven't really talked about that I think could end up coming to Carolina, and that's Teddy Bridgewater. I think him leaving this, you know, now with Drew Brees coming back, obviously they have Taysom Hill for the dual threat. For me, Teddy Bridgewater fits right in. For me, I think he would come, come play, you know, within the division. I, I, I love a little bit of a... Uh, competitive nature there and I think he has so much respect in the league all I hear across all these morning shows is how much the defenses respect Teddy Bridgewater and you know when Drew Brees went out everybody was panicking for the Saints what are they going to do no Drew Brees oh look at all the weapons they've missed the window and now Teddy Bridgewater came in and did his thing so for me I think he fits right in he's clean cut just the way the Panthers organization likes it and he's a great quarterback and he's got a lot of game left in him so for me I think those two things work and you know I want the best for Cam you know like When a relationship cuts ties, I want the best for that person, and I want the best for Cam, and I think Chicago is the best, and I I would love to see it, personally. I would buy the first Cam Newton Bears jersey that we see. You know, those orange ones, they're pretty nice. I'd buy one of those. Um, (laughs) But if he went, you know, anywhere else, uh, I think their career would be getting close to to calling it quits, because I think that would excite Cam to go to Chicago Play with Khalil Mack. I mean, pff, imagine those Can you imagine two going on. to the sideline and thinking, oh, man, is my defense going to give up points? Oh, wait, no. Exactly. I've got an animal on the defensive exactly. line. I think, it, I think it fits perfect. I yeah. think you hit it right on the money. I think we both, like you said, we're good. And I think we're. I think that could happen. I really think the chances of that happening are very high. So I'm hoping that it does. Wouldn't be shocked. And Teddy Bridgewater to Carolina, I think, would also be interesting. And I also, I don't know what it is about Taysom Hill. <laughs> people have been saying, you know, is he going to get like a contract when he leaves? How many passes has he thrown? 
I mean, really. He's kind of got like a little Tim Tebow style to him, doesn't he? Oh, kind of barely God. throws. Let the record show. I love, 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 love me some Tim Tebow. How but you do? NFL quarterback, stop it. There we go. Taysom Hill, stay in New Orleans. Don't be stupid. Exactly. Don't try Don't and reach make your out money and act now. like you're anything but yes. a helping hand in an offense that, let's be honest, without Taysom Hill, might score .3 points less per game. Right. Let's true. be honest. They're but gonna... Taysom Hill does help. I and agree. He does literally I agree. everything. I agree. Like the Cream Biggums uh, yes. meme on Twitter. What do you yes. play? Quarterback, running back. <laughs> like he literally does everything. But it's true. I love it. All right. We're going to stick with sports, of course. We're not going to get into kicks just yet, even though we totally forgot kicks last episode. Which is crazy. It is crazy. But we're going to talk about kicks to end it. But our third to last point are the Houston Astros. And I know, Danny, you're not a huge baseball guy. Uh, I used to be a really big baseball guy Same as well. Here. Right. And it's kind of just fallen off. I think as I've gotten older, I want more excitement. I'm not as patient as I was when I was a kid when it comes to sitting there and really just having time to watch baseball. But this Astros dilemma, I mean, it, to me, it's just a headache right now. And I think that it's really weird because I'm reading this article as we speak. And, you know, the Astros, of course, if, you know, those of you who don't know, they were accused of cheating, stealing signs in the 2017 season, which they ended up winning the World Series. And, you know, it's, it's funny because the New York Times actually wrote an article that said sign stealing was, quote, Something of an art form in baseball, which is tolerated, even admired. I get that, okay? Yeah, sure. If you're looking around and you're trying to see, you know, what's going to happen? You see someone make a sign, the catcher's motioning the pitcher. Oh, it's going to be a fastball. Let me hit it. Okay, cool. But the fact that the Astros just went absolutely way around and just literally sidestepped every single rule and would hire people to sit in the outfield and, you know, watch the signs and use technology and would bang on the trash can and the you know, cell phone box in the dugout so the batters could hear what's coming. That's a joke. And, you know, I don't want to get too heated about it because it's really out of my control. It's out of our control. But the question has been raised, should this title be vacated? I think, I mean, really, regardless, it's going to be tarnished. I mean, you think about it. They cheated. They cheated. They cheated. They cheated. Cheaters never win. And Kendrick Perkins even had a great piece about it yesterday. He was saying on, uh, I believe it was... I believe it was the jump mm-hmm. with Brian Windhorst and Rachel Nichols. Um, he was referencing, of course, his 2008 championship with the Celtics. And again, I'm paraphrasing, but he did say, when I you know, go back to the Garden, when I go back and they you know, introduce me as 2008 champ, he's like, yeah, I take that to heart. I pound my chest and I work for that. I put in blood, sweat, and tears. If you cheated, come on, man. That's not the same feeling. That's not what sports are all about. You know, People always say the blood, sweat, and tears. It's a cliche, but for you know, Perk and for many others... That's what people live off of. That's their pride. How can you have pride after you knew you cheated and you just obliterated every single rule there was? This title, to me, it's tarnished. If it's vacated, sure. If not, what does it even matter? Yeah, no, I I'm, I don't even know how anybody could disagree with you. And I completely agree with your point when you talk about who, re- in my opinion, and maybe you didn't mean this in your point, but I mean this when I say, who really cares if they vacated or not? Right. Nobody's going to care about them being champions anymore. You hear so many people coming. I heard Aaron Judge sitting there. He deleted his tweets congratulating them from years before. He's like, man, you didn't earn it. Who, exactly. Who cares about you being a champion anymore? He's like, especially when you talk about all the things they did from Houston, drafting well, developing a great team, coming from last place, blah, 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 all these great stories. They were already and you there. you were celebrating it like you did something so amazing, but like you were spinning in everybody's face saying, look what we did, we built this, blah, 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 blah. 
oh, wait, we were cheating the entire time. Well, to be honest with you, they did build a good roster. Absolutely. I mean, if you look at it yeah. from top to bottom, but as you said, I mean, you literally just you ruined it right there. Yeah, and, and you know, he said that. He's, you know, I'm not taking away from the moves that they made and the players that they have because they have some of the best players. But to do that and then bring it back to Houston, all the things that Houston was going through. Oh, my gosh. Man, yeah. there's such a kick in the face to, like, all these people who use them as motivation, blah, blah, blah. It now teaches that city and that community, like, we didn't even earn that championship. We literally had to cheat. I mean, when I look back at the videos and hear them, like you said, hitting the trash cans and the, and the you know, the whistles going off and these things, it's it's mind-boggling. And Jose Altuve, not, not to rip your it's shirt crazy. off. I know, it's crazy. Crazy. The All these things, man, you should feel so like a dirt ball, for real. You really should. <laughs> and, and, you know, when you talk about, you know, signs dealing this. Man, I remember playing Little League Baseball. I remember my coaches when I was 10 years old playing in regional national championships. They'd see if a catcher put his fingers too low giving the signs. He'd say, you know what, I see it in, in the dugout. If I say your last name, and I, I'll be honest, this happened. If I say your last name, it's a fastball. If I say your first name, it's off speed. If a catcher at 10 or 11 years old is doing this, and me as a 10, 11-year-old batter right. can take advantage of it, exactly. is very different than a World Series winning season. Sad, so at dude. the end of the day, you're right. If they vacate it, great. As a sports fan, I think it's justified. If they don't, who cares? Who cares? Who Nobody's going to recognize that anymore. It's the same as you know, the Olympics when people get caught and the whole federation was doing steroids. Take the medals, don't take the medals. We don't even recognize them as champions. Because at the end of the day, you're completely right what Perk said. You worked it, for it. You worked for it. And you didn't earn it. And I saw some funny tweets going back and forth. And I saw one about Mike Trout. Somebody yeah. goes, if Mike Trout knew the pitches that were coming all the time, he would bat from 750 to 999. Who also is never, ever talking. He's yeah, always exactly. quiet. So if you know guys like that, and Aaron Judge as well. Yeah, I, I, know, I was another player in the majors, but they literally tweeted about Mike Trout. He knew what was coming. Right. He'd hit 200 homers, have 1,000 RBIs, and hit 800 every year. But that's not what we do. That's not, right. that's not sports. If we sports were like that, everybody would play. Exactly. <laughs> when you're talking about fighting, and everybody who knows me knows I love boxing, I love MMA, what you do is you scout you watch prior things, you try and find patterns, and you exploit them. It's the same as scouting when you're watching a baseball game, a basketball game, a football game. This isn't like, you know, the Patriots taking pictures of the sidelines and stuff like that. You know, it's similar, but it's <laughs> this is every game. They're doing this. They're predicting and saying exactly what's coming. And it starts to make you think, you know, when you hear Major League players talking about Mike Trout would do this and imagine Aaron Judge and blah, blah, it kind of makes you think, wait a minute. Their numbers weren't dramatically better than everyone else's. I mean, yeah, no. they, they were the best team. They won a World Series. And you start to think, what if you did this with a loaded Yankees team? What if you did this with one of those loaded and Red I'm a Sox Yankees teams fan. back in the day? Yeah. See, I'm, I should be a Yankees fan being from New York, but I'm a Red Sox fan because my dad's from Boston. And, yeah, I got to follow in dad's footsteps fair, when we talk about baseball. Imagine those loaded Yankees teams. Imagine the loaded Red Sox teams if they knew what was coming. Yeah, it's, it's crazy to think about. They win 140 games. At all. It's crazy. It is. So I for me, it. when you think about this, in any sport, this should never be tolerated. But I think you can end on it pretty pretty straightforward and say, like we've said multiple times in this rant, who, who cares? cares? Not only because it's Major League Baseball, which is slowly, slowly dying. They need to do something to change it up. Shorten the, lead, shorten the season. Do something. I don't even want to watch. And I loved baseball. I love to watch playoff baseball. But it's because I know it's only going to last one or two months. When we talk about a season lasting nine months, I just can't be bothered. And I used to go to spring training all the time. That was way more exciting. Seeing the young players, blah, blah, blah. I could go on forever about the Major League Baseball. But 
Who cares about this Astros championship? I just feel bad for the Houston community because, let's be real, when your city wins a championship, that is monumental. Feeling. It might drive people for how long? And now this coming back, there's going to be some people in Houston being sent into a tailspin. And I pray for that community because I truly don't know what I would do if all of a sudden it came out that all the Warriors knew everything about every blah, blah. I don't even know how you could do this in the NBA. <laughs> but if it came out and then all those titles right. were tarnished, I'd have to apologize to every fan of the Rockets you and, have to. and the Cavs. And I, the remember have even, to I remember even being actually in Cleveland because we have, you know, real quickly on this last point, we have a great aunt that lives in Cleveland. And we went to visit her literally like two days after the Cavaliers beat your Warriors when LeBron, you know, got his first ring in Cleveland. And we were there two days after the parade. And we drove down by the queue and there were still confetti, beer bottles, everything. And you could just feel the excitement. We were watching the parade and LeBron speak and J.R. Smith without his shirt on. <laughs> and everybody was loving it at her, you know, in Cleveland. And I remember just feeling that, not being a Cavs fan, but like... This is what sports are all about, and it really just really broke my heart to hear that about the Astros because that was the year I thought the Yankees could win it, and they didn't, and they lost that ALCS, and then they ended up, you know, not having a World Series ring. They haven't had one since '09. It's painful, but again, I don't follow baseball as well as I did when I was younger. All right, real quickly before we get into kicks, Danny's going to preview the fight that is going on on Saturday, a boxing match: Deontay Wilder, Tyson Fury. I don't know much about it, but I have seen, of course, in their press conferences, a little bit of shoving, a little bit of words being exchanged. What can we expect to see on Saturday night? Yeah, you know, that fight, man, the first fight was crazy. And, and it was one of those fights, like most boxing fights, if you're a boxing fan, that ended up being scored in a way that was very, very controversial and ended up being a majority draw, which we see way too often in boxing. And that is the problem, and it's the reason that boxing is lowering down when it comes to combat sports. Because when Canelo and Triple G fought the first time, this is for the boxing fans. If you don't know, maybe look up Canelo versus Triple G. But that fight, first fight, draw, everybody thought, Canelo won the fight, or Triple G won the fight. Second fight, Canelo wins. Eh, it was closer, but it's okay. Now, the excitement for those fighters goes way down, and that's what happened in the first fight. I'm a Deontay Wilder fan, American boxer. I'm always going to cheer for an American boxer. Okay, He got danced on for 10 of the 12 rounds, and it just so happened that in two of the rounds that he did somewhat well, he knocked Tyson Fury down. And in the 12th round, if you watch the fight, you saw him land a hellacious combination on Tyson Fury that would have knocked any other man out. But Tyson Fury, who came up like the undertaker when he got knocked out, and the fight ends up being scored a majority draw. And when you looked at the scorecards that finally got released, they were all over the place. Absolutely all over the place. So when it comes to the second fight, Tyson Fury has said he gave up his trainer from the last fight. He said, we need to do something. We didn't do enough. He went to Sugar Hill, who's a very aggressive trainer up in Detroit. And he says, enough with this dancing around. Enough with the jab, stick, and move. I'm walking forward. You're not walking me down the rest of this fight like you did the first fight. And I'm dipping and dodging, jabbing you, and landing more punches. I'm going to land more punches. I'm going to land the more powerful punches. And I'm going to knock you spark out. He said that multiple times. Okay. <laughs> I absolutely think if he follows through with that strategy, he will get knocked out. Because Deontay Wilder is the biggest puncher in the heavyweight division. A lot of people are saying since or even more than Mike Tyson in his day. Swinging even harder than he was, more strong. And the crazy part is, Deontay Wilder is 6'7". And he weighs in for most fights about 208 pounds. Hold on, he's 6'7"? Six, 6'7", seven? Six, seven. he weighs in about 208 pounds. Tyson Fury is 6'9". And weighs in about 260 pounds. So the weight discrepancy is so much bigger than the height. So at the end of the day, if Tyson Fury does come in with more power, he's more aggressive, he can absolutely knock him out because the power of heavyweights is crazy. One punch is always going to knock you out. My prediction, truthfully, for this fight is that Fury's 
just talking up the fight. Wants to put butts in seats and sell pay-per-views, which he needs to at this point. Unless your name is Floyd Mayweather or Conor McGregor in his boxing <laughs> debut, it's right. hard to sell tickets nowadays. I think Tyson Fury is going to have a very similar strategy than the last fight, but stepping forward a little bit more. I think he's going to hit Deontay a little bit. Deontay's not going to land the big punch. I think Tyson's squeeze up, and I think Tyson is going to walk around. The problem with that prediction is when you have a fighter like Deontay Wilder who swings with such fury, you know, funny pun there, <laughs> when he swings to knock your head clean off, he says it all the time. you got to be perfect against me for 36 minutes. i got to be perfect for two seconds. And that's the truth. So when I was thinking about it originally, I thought, you know, Fury's going to do the same thing. But I truly think Fury's ego may get in the way in those later rounds after being up maybe five rounds to one, six rounds to one from dancing around. And he's going to try and knock him out. And that's why I think Wilder may knock him out in the later rounds around rounds 9 to 11. I think somewhere in there he okay. may catch him and knock him out. And I think you may see a trilogy bout. I think you may see a third bout because Anthony Joshua is doing his thing as – I think he has four belts right now. He's fighting all of the you know mandatory challengers. And I think down the road, the winner of this fight will fight Anthony Joshua for the undisputed heavyweight championship, which would be the biggest fight in boxing history, maybe in heavyweight history. And look at the fighters who have fought in heavyweight history. Muhammad right. Ali, George Foreman, all these guys. I think at the end of the day, it will come down to, is Fury going to be patient enough in that fight and, and bounce around like a Mayweather would against mm-hmm. you know, Manny Pacquiao or somebody like this? I unfortunately think his his ego may get in the way because Wilder has been saying some personal things. I think Fury's going to want to knock him out, and I think that walks right into Wilder's strategy and you know Wilder's biggest weapon, which is that gigantic right hand. So my prediction is Wilder by KO ninth to eleventh round. I like that. I really need to get into boxing. You do. I watched. You're going to come over and watch this. Oh, fight, of course, I'll be there 100. Yeah. But there we go. I remember over the break I texted you. I can't remember the guy who I watched. It was an American. I believe. I know, he had a Hispanic last name. I oh, th- yeah, yeah. Uh, who was it? It's, yeah, it'll come to me. It'll yeah, but me. I yeah. remember watching that with my dad. We're both sitting there like, you know, my dad and I always watch basketball together, football, baseball, rarely ever like anything like soccer, maybe if it's the World Cup. And he's looking at me, I'm looking at him, we're saying, uh, maybe we should watch some more boxing. Because boxing is fun. I love the aggression. I love that. I will definitely be there with you, Danny, side by side, watching Wilder and Fury on Saturday night. All right. We totally spaced... Last episode, we apologize for those of you who tune in just to listen to us talk about kicks, but we've got two really exciting points for you guys in this episode of Kicking It with Breezy and Don C. All right, kicks time. Danny, I know that you saw the comments Russell Westbrook made recently when he was asked about how many players deserve a signature shoe. Here's what he said. He said four or five. You got to be, quote, that guy, quote, to be able to have a shoe because nowadays everybody's got a shoe. And he is not wrong. We were just talking before, you know, Puma started to make their way back. So you can't really hate on them as well. But they're trying to get guys like Kyle Kuzma, DeAndre Ayton, Marvin Bagley, their own type of colorway, which is different than their own shoe. But, you know, they're starting to go through that trend. Um, Donovan Mitchell has his own shoe. He's been in the league for how many years? Three. Yeah. You know, hasn't even really proven himself as a top 10 player. Already has a shoe. But he said four or five. So. I just want to humor, you know, humor me a little bit. Who are four players or five players, if you really want, you can narrow it down to whoever you know you may please that deserve a signature shoe. When you brought this up, you know, you know, before we started recording and we talked about this this topic, I started to think, try and think a little bit outside the box because at the end of the day, the debate in the NBA every season of who are the top five players is so interchangeable and it's so biased and, and you know, it's hard to be objective when you talk about that. When I talk, when I think about signature shoe, I think 
there should be many categories that kind of, you know, make you eligible for a signature shoe. How your superstardom should absolutely qualify you. But maybe you're, not only that, but your influence in the sneaker community. Yes. Maybe you're being youthful, having the movement, the trends, being with the sneaker trends, things like this. So when I think right now, off the top of my head, yeah, you could easily give it to the top five players, whoever your top five players are. But when I think about it, I think when you talk about influence in the game of basketball, right now it's LeBron and Giannis at by far the top. When you talk about international, wait, trend, LeBron and who? Giannis. You heard yes, me? Giannis. There we go. When you talk about influence in the United States in the game of basketball and across the world, those are the two names right now in the NBA that you bring up. So I would absolutely bring them up. The third person I would bring up when we talk about those categories I was talking about in the youth movement and the excitement that brings in. I think giving somebody like Zion a shoe is genius. Because when you talk about in the top five, yeah, there's so many great players. But when you talk about right when you come into the league, if you're going to talk about somebody who's had the hype since high school through his one year of college, taking that risk on him for me as a sport in basketball, giving him that type of reach, and also as a brand, giving him his own shoe, I think that that's smarter than con- continuing a relationship. Like I think that's one of the problems also, is that you see these long-term relationships where guys like Steph stay with Under Armour for so long, and the shoes start to get a little bit staggered in, in creativity, <laughs> and then you see Kawhi, and, and James Harden, and Donovan Mitchell. These shoes are awful, I'm sorry, Like I'll be the first one to say it, I don't see too many people wearing them, and when you talk about influence, I think that is what you want. The last person I would say, you know, you said four or five. I'm going to keep it simple with four. With that last category is influence in the sneaker community. And when we talk about influence in the sneaker community in the NBA, there is only one name. Yes. There is only one king. When you talk about young guys, I just want to mention a couple of guys. When you talk about, you know, somebody like Shy Gilgis Alexander, he is doing so much. When you talk about bringing new clothing in, you know, this guy is very high fashion, doing, you know, wearing a lot of big collaborations. He's in the movie. He knows the hip hop culture. He knows the music culture. He knows, you know, the new streetwear culture. But the guy who's the king is PJ Tucker. He is the king of the sneaker game. His influence in the sneaker game is just unmatched. There is nobody who has their hands on crazier heat than him. There's nobody who not only wears crazier heat, but plays in crazier heat. This guy plays in shoes that are five to six figures on a night-in, night-out basis. When he played in the Wahlburgers, the Jordan Force, oh my gosh. When I when I was sitting there watching, my mom asked, oh, what's so special? I'm hyping up over these shoes, drooling over some of this Christmas Day shoes. And my mom goes, why is he wearing green sneakers? He's playing on a red and black team. Why is he wearing green sneakers? Mom, Sounds like my mom. Mom, those sneakers are worth five to six figures, depending on who you're asking. And he does this on a regular basis. He wore Red Octobers out. He wore the Kobe 3 Laker pack. He wears these crazy sneakers, the Soulfly 3s, blah, 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 blah. I could go on for days about the shoes that he wears. This guy needs a signature sneaker. And right now, you know, when he re- just re-signed, I believe, a Jordan brand, right? Or was it Nike? Nike. 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 That's he, he should be there. He oh, should smart. be getting his own shoe. He should have his own line of shoes. He should be able to wear whatever he wants. I do think it's smart for some players. Like I think it was recently you said Rui Huchimura who just signed with Goat. He did. And you know Kuzma was with Kuzma still with Goat. Still with I Goat. Believe. I think that's also genius for a young player. But that's not quite the same. You know we're right. not talking about endorsing deal. We're talking about signature NBA sneaker. Mm-hmm. Those would be my four for those reasons and those categories. I know that's a little outside the box to somebody who may be listening to this, but no, but I'm also. Danny Breezy, so don't expect it to be anything inside the box. That's never the case. Well, in that case, I'm Donnie Sherrell, so I'm going to keep this pretty uh, <laughs> cut and dry if you want to look at it. I think about, of course, just, I mean, you talk about signature shoe, 
And I keep that word signature in the front of my mind because you've got to be a signature player. You can't just be a run-of-the-mill guy. Yeah. People could say, oh, P.J. Tucker hasn't done diddly squat when it comes to comparison to LeBron, Giannis, uh, you know, Zion. I mean, not really Zion because Zion's so new. Yeah. But I'm going to keep it short. I'm going to go four guys. LeBron and Giannis to me are right there. But I'm not going to rank Giannis two. I'm going to rank Giannis four only because he just got his first yeah. shoe. Interesting. I'm trying to you know sway away from the bias because everyone knows that I love Giannis. Yeah, Giannis yeah. at four. I'm going to say Steph at three. Mm-hmm. I know we talk about we said current players, but I got him. I've got to mention him. Kobe at two because Kobe that shoe will be forever. You know, recycled and released. We always talk about how Jordan re-releases shoes. It's going to be like that for Kobe. I promise you. 20, Absolutely. 30 years down the road, God willing, if I have kids one day, they're going to be wearing you know re-release Kobe's because I will be buying them for them. <laughs> Number one to me again, we agree is LeBron. I mean, LeBron has probably the biggest influence when it comes to youth with the I Promise School. You know, giving kids shoes, giving you know his former high school all the shoes. If he went to a college, I can't even imagine the collaborations they would get. I mean, Ohio State pretty much gets most of it. But number one is LeBron because those guys definitely deserve signature shoes. I mean, I know we're leaving off guys like Russell Westbrook who, you know, talked about how he's got his own shoe. Danny just pointed out to me, and I'm sorry for being <laughs> distracted. It is currently snowing yes. in North Carolina. Yeah. How about that? All right. One well, day a year we get it. I love it. All right, so. When we're talking about signature shoes, I know I'm, you know, you know, forgetting about Paul George, James Harden, all those guys. But you talk about the top four, you got to talk about the signature guy. Who do you think of when you think of basketball? Those guys are right up there. So closing at that point, and real quick, you know, when, you, when you talk about these four, I want to ask you because I, I thought about this as we're talking okay. about it. Do you think the future of the NBA, the future of sneaker culture, should continue with this trend of giving more sneaker deals out, or do you think maybe? These brands should just release basketball sneakers and make their endorsed players play in them. Because I think the problem is, and my problem as a marketing guy all the time, and a sneaker fan, all this, is oversaturated markets. They're just yeah. releasing too many shoes. Nike, man, if you scroll on any sneaker app, it's just way too many Nikes. And then they're missing like crazy. We always talk about some shoes. Eh, how do I feel about these shoes? If there's a shoe where you go, eh, it's probably not that great of a shoe. If there's a shoe where you go, I love this or I hate this, that's probably more of an impact in the sneaker community. And when I think about that, what we're talking about, too many signature shoes is just oversaturating the basketball market. And eventually the quality with that is going to go down. So right. what, do, what do you think about that? Real I quickly. think really, yeah, real quickly, I think that they need to put a halt when it comes to making signature shoes. I like the idea that Jordan's been doing when it gives you know Zion his own colorways or Luka Doncic, Jason Absolutely. Tatum as well. Yeah, uh, PEs when, are Right, PEs are awesome. When, when Giannis was playing in Kobe's before he got his own shoe because that was his shoe to go to. He had a ton of collaborations. I mean, I mean PEs, per se. Yes, yeah. Devin Booker as well is a yes, guy that's a Kobe absolutely. guy who gets those Suns colorways. I think they need to say, you know, chill out. Maybe be in the league for like five years, six years. Do some things in the game and in the community because we know the platform they're given. Then we'll talk about a signature shoe. I also so. do think super, super, super quickly, you know, we've been on this so long. I think it is smart, you know, for players to do similar things to like what high school players do. High school players have the most freedom because they're not signed with anybody, so they're just wearing completely different shoes and giving so much hype to these brands. My favorite players, everybody knows, Josh Christopher from Mayfair wears Fear of Gods, Jordans, Kyrie's, Adidas. I mean, he's wearing all these things. And then these brands get to see, okay, what does he like? What is he playing? Then it makes the brands more competitive. And for me, that is the most important thing in the sneaker culture and in signature sneakers. So I think that's also a big play. Definitely. All right, real quickly, we're going to get to our last point before we close things out for episode 10. Danny and I were talking. We saw a picture on Instagram about a 
possible tease, more just a rumor about Travis Scott releasing his own Jordan 3. It was more of just a black, gray, and white, really basic, but if it had a cactus jack on it, it's going to be $400. Of course. Easy. But we thought about who we would want to see collab with a certain sneaker, maybe one that's not out yet. And I immediately thought, and I really think this shoe could be great. I don't really know what it would look like in my head. I'm thinking about it right now, but... I love what Virgil Abloh does. I do think that, of course, it's really expensive. I'm probably never going to have my hands on it. But I really, really would love to see an off-white Jordan 11. Can you imagine the off-white Jordan 11 with the air on the bottom, with the back where, you know, the Concords of the 45, you can have a, you know, Virgil-type logo or, like, you know, literally, quote-unquote, 45. Yep. Like, the type of... And the hang tag colors oh that you can put on it. Yes, exactly. What would the colorway be? With the laces. The laces. As I see, he always has the his mix. swag. And, and I know the, the Jordan 5s just had the the cream color release as well that Virgil, Virgil Abloh did on his own. But an off-white Jordan 11, I think maybe, possibly, it could be one of the coolest shoes to drop when it comes to collaboration. What do you think Absolutely. about your own? Yeah. No, I, I love that idea. First of all, I, I think... Virgil, and it's so crazy to me the prices on those uh, off-white Jordan fives. I, I still can't get my head around that that black one. When he released that DIY cream-colored one, I thought this should have been the shoe he released. Virgil, you stop teasing all of us. Release the real one that we want to see. But for me, when I thought about this, when you talk about collaboration, I think the guy who didn't do a collaboration, but I want to see him work with different materials, is Jerry Lorenzo. Mm. When he came out with his own silhouettes of the the, the Air Raid slash 180 and, and the Fear of God 1 and the, the Moccasin and these shoes. Man, it's so creative, man. These silhouettes are completely new. They're a completely different style. But I would love, man, and this is just coming off the top of my head, me being crazy. Jerry having this mindset of using different materials, classic materials, different inspirations, and this, this just spiritual drive to make a Jordan 1, man. Jordan 1 Ooh. is my favorite silhouette. By far, and I know Jerry doesn't want to do as many silhouettes and collabs and these things. He wants to make his own wave. But, man, in my dream scenario, if I could just see Jerry just pull together some materials from maybe a Jordan 4 or materials from, uh, you know, maybe a Jordan 12 or something like this. And the silhouette, maybe the bottom, the, the sole of a Jordan 3, like things like this and bring in some different Air Max tongues or something like this and really bring these things all together. You know, I would love to see that. I'd be very impressed with but that. But as I'm thinking right now, that one I love. One that just quickly came to my head was, I would love to see Sean Witherspoon oh. design anything from Adidas. Any of those like, like low-line Adidas, an Ultra Boost or a 4D or a Young or like any of these shoes because the colors and the materials on the Ultra Boost are so just repetitive and that same net. I would love to see him bring some corduroy and some of these things and some suede onto an Ultra Boost. So those for, for me are the two, but the main one, I want to see the king, Jerry Lorenzo, get his hands on some Jordan silhouette. But for me, the Jordan 1 is the classic. I would love to see that. Now that you mentioned that, real quickly, just to you know, leave you to think about, imagine a Jerry Lorenzo SB. Ooh. A dunk. Man. Before, we, wow. before wow, Danny wow, starts wow, to go wow, off wow. on a tangent, because yes. I know I will too, we want to thank you guys so much for listening to Kicking It with Breezy and Don C. It's really hard to believe, and it's awesome that we've already reached episode 10. I want to thank you guys so much for your support, whether it's listening, viewing our Instagram channel, or just coming up to me and Danny and saying, hey, I like your podcast. It means the world. I know Danny definitely thinks that as well. Yeah, absolutely, man. I appreciate all you guys you know, that have supported and sent you know, the simplest message of 
man, I love it. And, and the ones who critique, you know, what we say, you know, the ones who message back, hey, Danny, you're crazy. Hey, uh, I'll tell your boy Donnie to keep his mouth shut about the Lakers, blah, blah, blah. Man, this is what we want. At the end of the day, we want you to be engaged. We want you to hear what you want to hear. And we are trying to get to more things, you know, with a little bit more diversity. But at the end of the day, we love to talk football, basketball, and kicks and a little bit of fighting. So I, I appreciate it. it. You know, in the coming weeks, I'm going to be traveling like crazy for the season. So maybe, you know, be grateful for this sound quality that you're hearing right now because the next time you may hear me calling in from a hotel in Oklahoma <laughs> or Georgia or something. But I will make sure you guys are updated with how our team is doing. Donnie is going to hold it down here as always. And, man, I want to congratulate him real quick. Man, you're doing your thing with this play-by-play, man. I, I'm hella proud of this guy. He's he, This guy works harder than anybody. And to do all the stuff that he's doing now at this young, granted, for those who know me, no, I thought this guy was like in grad school when I first met him last year. <laughs> Maybe because he looks a little older than me. but That is true. I, I, you know, I, I thought this guy was a grad student, and right now he's grinding like one. So I want to congratulate you for that, man. You're balling out right now. But we will bring you more content the next couple weeks. Don't you think that a busy schedule is going to keep us from dropping content? Because you know... That is not the case. Never has. This week was crazy for me. I know it was crazy for you too, but somehow we managed to get two episodes out. Yes, sir. And that's phenomenal. Hope you guys enjoyed it. I want to say thank you again for kicking it with Breezy and Don C. Peace out. Love you guys.